Thank you, Lord, for the word. We're good? All right. Thank you, Lord, for the word. Thank you, Lord, for what the word we're about to receive. <laughs> I've already been through it, so I can thank him already in advance. But I forgot you hadn't yet. <laughs> Amen. Amen. But we thank God for allowing us to be here one more time. Our first lady and Milo, they're going to the last cheer competition for the year. And Ashley went with them. Amen. Up in Schaumburg. So they left yesterday, so I've been a bachelor since yesterday. <laughs> I ain't never a bachelor, but I've been by my home. I've been home alone. <laughs> Felt like Macaulay Culkin. Ah! <laughs> and it's quiet when they're not home. Amen. It's quiet, especially on Sunday morning, because they usually be around clamoring and music playing and things of that nature. And so it was me and the dog at home. And then, of course, it was storming last night, and he didn't want to sleep. So... He running back and forth, so I'm like, okay. <laughs> and so finally when it's time for me to get up, he goes to sleep. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I got on up anyway because I knew God was going to give us a word today. And I thank God for it. And, and I listened to the powerful word from last week that our first lady gave, and it was anointed. And it was powerful. And I was like, oh, my God, amen, amen. Thank God for it. And we had a great time up in Pastor Smith's 50th preaching anniversary, not church anniversary, preaching anniversary. He was preaching in, since 1972, which also, last Sunday was the exact same day 40 years ago that my father went home to be with the Lord. So it was, it was an a, a awesome occasion that God orchestrated because at the time, I'm sure they didn't have no idea. And of course, I didn't know I was be going on that exact same day, so I was able to get the benediction. Uh, and everything. So God was good. He was happy to see us. He was surprised. Amen. Because they took a bus and then us, we drove up. But he was really glad to see us and surprised. And some from Champaign went as well that had been a part when he was back in, when he first got his calling and things of that nature. Because he went to U of I. And so some of those people were there. But we're here now today. And so we're going to Allow God to minister to us with the word, I believe, in season. Uh, and so, before we go into the word today, I'm led by the Holy Spirit to remind you that, that this year, that we would need, you would need to hold tight to your faith. I'm not going to speak from that, but I just want to remind you that the theme this year for our church is we need to hold tight to our faith. And hold tight means to be diligent, means to cling to, means to take possession of, means to lay hold of. And it's based on the idea of gripping something tightly. And uh, I believe God always, and I believe God spoke that to us because he knew what this year was going to hold. And it's only March, and we've been through a lot of, from January to March, and going through a lot. And we are at a place where we need to hold tight to our faith now more than ever. But I also need to remind you that just because you're holding tight to your faith, your enemy, the devil, will not try to get you to lose your grip of that faith. So today we are going to learn how to deal with and overcome the spirit of doubt. We're going to learn how to deal with and then overcome the spirit of doubt. Now, doubt in the dictionary means to be uncertain about, to consider questionable. 
to hesitate to believe. Amen. That's in the dictionary. But spiritually, it means uh, is a feeling that you don't know the trustworthiness of God's promises, even though you have received them. He has showed you. But because of the things or situations that you're going through in your life, it causes you to question the trustworthiness of God's promises. Right. Now, this spirit was released in Genesis. Let's go there quickly. That's not my, where my text coming from, but I'm led to be, go to Genesis chapter 3. And we'll see where this spirit was released. Genesis chapter 3. Amen. I'll give you a second to turn there. Genesis chapter 3 verse 1 says, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, yea, God said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said unto the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden. The mistake she made was she got into a conversation with him anyway. But anyhow, but of the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden or in the middle of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest you what? Die. And the serpent said unto the woman, you shall not surely die, given doubt, planting the seed of doubt. You shall not surely die. For God doth know that in the day you shall eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened and you shall be as God's, small g, knowing good and what? And verse six says, and when the woman saw that the, that the tree was what? Good. For food. Amen. And that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree to be desired to make one wise. She took the, of the fruit thereof, and I always like to point out, and did eat. But I really want to point out, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. Remember, Adam had the charge not to eat. Adam had the charge of guard the, guard the garden and the woman in the garden. And however, he was given the command not to eat of this tree, but yet he allowed Eve to eat it, and then she gave it to him, and then he ate. Hmm. But it was based because of Satan sowing that seed of doubt. Amen. Doubt, from a spiritual standpoint for us, is a simple lack of faith. It's a simple lack of faith. Now, a few years ago, Barna, which is an evangelical Christian polling firm, did a study on doubt and found that having doubts about what we believe is not unusual. Now, I need to note that this survey was done before COVID-19, so I'm pretty sure the numbers are even more alarming now. The study reports that two-thirds of American adults who self-identify as Christians have experienced spiritual doubt. And 26% say they still experience spiritual doubt. Hmm. The survey went on to say that even 19% of devout believers who regularly attend church services still experience doubt. 
And the reason why I say this is probably more alarming now is because because of COVID-19, we were allowed for a time not to come back, come into the building. Though we had other options, some people even didn't go to those options. And some people still have not come back to the building. <laughs> so when you do that, you are susceptible to doubt. Amen. Amen. Spiritual doubt has always been a part of our experience, but we are in good company because the fathers of faith and disciples struggle with it, like Moses in Exodus chapter 3. I can't go to them people. What am I going to say to them? I stutter, Lord. Amen. <laughs> uh, Abraham and Sarah, we too old to have kids. What you talking about? Amen. <laughs> Peter and, and Matthew, I don't know the man. Amen. And of course, doubting Thomas and John, even though he had been with Jesus and Jesus had taught them that he was going to die, be hung, bled, and bleed and cru be crucified, still didn't believe that it was Jesus when he came back from the dead. Still doubted that it was Jesus. Amen. The Barner survey also reports that millennials who have grown up in a more secular and plural, pluralist pluralist culture experience more doubt twice as much as other generations. Now this makes sense because in my parents' generation, 50% or more were believers. In my generation, it went down to 35%. And in the now generation, it's probably less than 4% who claim to be believers in the first place. Why? Because we've been unchurched. We didn't put a premium on God and our need for God. So we didn't pass it down to our younger generation. So they learned to live, to be selfish and self-contained and take, pull yourself up from your own bootstraps. Hmm, amen? I'm not going there, but I will say this to fix it up where you can get it. Doubt is, ex is an experience common to all people. So don't think that you are alone in having doubt. It's a common experience. I don't care if you've been saved for 50 years. I don't care if you've been saved for five days. Doubt is a common, it's common to all experience. Why? Because the devil ain't going to just give up <laughs> when you stand in faith against doubt. He's going to keep coming back. Now, some people, they are hindered by doubt. Some see it as a springboard, and other ones see it as an obstacle to overcome. Now, classical humanism says that doubt, while uncomfortable, is essential. <laughs> Rene Descartes said this. He said, if you would be a real seeker after truth, it is necessary that at least once in your life you doubt everything. Don't trust nothing. And then the founder of Buddhism said, doubt everything and find your own light. But if you take their advice, <laughs> you'd have to doubt what they're talking about. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> Which don't make much sense. And we're going to get to where we're going. And I want to go to Mark chapter 9. And I'll say this and then I'll go on into the word. No matter the level of determination or the promise that you receive, from God. If doubt enters, it reduces the zeal and optimism in you.
Doubt will hinder you. Why? Because it will keep you from believing the promises of God. Amen? Okay, so Mark chapter 9. Now Mark, Mark, uh, gospel was written to disciples, and, uh, and that means us because our mission, as we know, is transforming believers into disciples, right? But his gospel blends two topics of leadership. It, it blends two topics, leadership and service. Not only should you be a leader, but you need to be a servant. Not only you should be a servant, but you're also a leader. Amen. So it does not matter that I'm the pastor standing behind the sacred desk. I'm still a servant. And no matter if you're sitting out in the out there in the chairs or in the pews, you're still a leader. But you're still a servant. Amen. And so he says uh, that uh, Mark's gospel is, a, is a, the wonder working gospel. It's a lot of miracles recorded in Mark's gospel. And even chapter 9, where we're going to talk about today, begun, and, and we're going to start in verse 14, but even chapter 9 comes after, verse 14 comes after the Mount of Transfiguration, where he took Peter, James, and John up on the mountain, and, and, and Elijah and uh, uh, Moses appeared with him. And so they wanted to set up a three tabernacles on this mountain. And Jesus said, no, we can't do that. And so after he had come down from the mountain, we pick up in verse 14. And it says, and when he came to his disciples or the rest of them, he saw a great multitude about them and the scribes questioning with them. And straightway, all the people, when they beheld him or looked at him, were greatly amazed, running to him and saluted him. And when he asked the scribes, what question ye with them? And one of the multitude answered and said, Master, I have bought unto thee my son, which has a dumb spirit, or he could not speak, or he's been possessed by an evil spirit that won't let him talk. And whosoever he taketh him, and wheresoever he taketh him, talking about the son, he teareth him, and he foameth and gnasheth his teeth, and pineth away. And I spake to thy disciples that they should cast him out, talking about the evil spirit, and they could not. And then Jesus says this, he said, and he answered them, Jesus, and said, O faithless generation or faithless people, how long shall I be with you? He asked the question, or how long must I be with you? How long shall I suffer with you? Another translation, how long must I put up with you? Hmm. <laughs> now Jesus is asking these people that's been around him in close proximity, being taught, led by him, calling them faithless. Mm. And he said, "How much shall I put up with you?" And they bought unto, and they bought him unto, and they bought unto, they bought him unto him. And when he saw him straight away, the spirit tear him, and he fell on the ground and wallowed. Foaming. And he asked his father, how long is it ago since this came unto him? And he said, of a child. Verse 22 says, and oftentimes or oft times it, it hath cast him into the fire and into the waters to destroy him. But if thou can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said unto him, if thou 
can believe all things are possible to him that believeth. And straightway the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help thou mine what? Help thou mine unbelief. Now the New Living Translation in verse 23 says this, what do you mean if I can? This is Jesus. What do you mean if I can? Jesus asked. Anything is possible if a person believes. The father instantly cried out, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. Did you catch it? He said, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. The problem with that man's faith is that it was weak because it was mixed with doubt. He said, I believe, but help me with my unbelief. That's kind of like a paradox, right? Amen. If you find yourself doubting God, let this man's cry be your prayer. Be honest with God about your doubts and then proceed in faith. Say, Lord, I believe, but help me with my unbelief. Because there come come times, if you haven't already experienced, that even though you may believe God, you still have a problem with doubting God. This situation and circumstance is too big, God. Hmm? These people are too crazy, right? That man over there <laughs> is doing some crazy stuff. <sighs> Lord, help my what? Unbelief. Now, the spirit of doubt affects believers through unbelief. And when you have unbelief, it delays in the manifestation of God's plan and purpose in your life. That's why the spirit of doubt is such a strong spirit that Satan used subtly because it will delay the manifestation of God's plan. It won't stop it, but it will delay it. Amen. And the major doubt, cause of doubt is what I said, unbelief. Because the enemy will shift your focus and weakness on, on your shortcomings and will try to magnify your problem or problems more than the power of God. Now, how many, as you've been going along your Christian way, on your Christian journey, as you're going along, walking in more faith and power than you are, than, 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 than you ever have, and then all of a sudden, a seed of doubt gets in. And when the seed of doubt gets in, it will affect your belief. And then it will magnify your shortcomings and your problems. And then it will cause you to compare yourself to somebody else. Well, Lord, they did this and they did that and they can do this and they can do that. But Lord, what about me? You know my shortcoming. Mm. Amen. Yeah. Unbelief develops when you give attention to the voice of the enemy. It develops when you give attention. Not when you hear it, but give attention to it. Because the enemy going to keep on talking. But if you don't pay attention to the enemy, you don't give power to the enemy. The other day, um, uh, uh, yesterday, um, 
when Larissa and them were getting ready to leave and, and the dog was sensing that they was leaving. And Ashley was standing there and the dog kept coming and rubbing up against her. And she said, I've been reading and watching YouTube videos. The dog is, is demanding attention. But if you don't give him attention, he'll leave you alone. And so she kept, he kept trying, but she ignored him. And sooner or later, he walked off, just like she said. Don't give attention to that voice of doubt. Because if you don't give it attention, it sooner or later will have to walk off because it don't have your attention. Amen. Jesus said it best in verse 23. What do you mean if I can? Unbelief is believing something other than what God has said about your situation. You can believe in God and still not believe what he says. You can believe in God and still not believe what he said. You can't receive it if you don't believe it. You can believe in him and still not believe what he says. Because we have a habit, if we listen to the wrong voice, to look at it through our eyes and not see it from God's viewpoint. Remember, God sits high and he what? Looks low. He saves the uttermost and the what? Guttermost. Amen. He see the mountains, but he also see the valleys. Hmm. He, sees, he sees the clouds, but he also sees the, the lilies. He sees the eagle, but he also sees the sparrow. <laughs> Amen. He sees you when you're up, but he sees you when you're down. He sees you when you're in, but he also sees you when you're out. But the one thing about Jesus is he went through what we've gone through. And guess what? He made it through. Amen. You will never receive it if you can't believe it. And the way to deal to overcome the spirit of doubt is by feeding your faith and starving your doubts. Amen. Let's go to Romans chapter 10. Verse 17, you need to feed your faith and start and starve your doubts. Romans chapter 10, verse 17. I'm going to use one verse here. Feeding your faith and starving your doubts. Verse 17 says, so then what? Faith cometh by what or comes from hearing. And what? Hearing by the what? Word of God. Faith is the remedy for doubt. And as we just read, faith comes by hearing the word of God. And hearing the word of God is not just me giving it to you. Hearing the word of God is digging in for yourself to hear from God yourself in your voice. Amen. <laughs> because a lack of knowledge results in unbelief. And the devil is right there to take advantage of you. Mm -hmm. A lack of knowledge results in unbelief. And the devil is right there to take advantage of your lack of knowledge. Mm. Or I'll put it where you can get it, of your ignorance of what God says. And ignorance means being misinformed. 
from a biblical standpoint. You need to get rid of any voice suggesting what if. But you need to get rid of any voice suggesting with. And sometimes we use the word, we, we, we use this, if it be thy will. Well, the way to know the will of God is to receive and read the word of God because the word of God is the will of God in print. Amen. Amen. So what you need to do is confess the word of God until your hope gets crisp <laughs> and your expectancy gets strong. Amen. You, can, you need to continually confess the word of God even though you don't see it. Till it gets crisp, until your expectancy gets strong. Because the more you confess your, the word, the, the more you'll realize that you're not there by yourself. Because the Holy Spirit will come in and, 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 and your expectancy will start getting stronger. And then you begin to expect that glory is going to happen. And what is glory? The weightiness of God's presence in your situation. Hmm. How many want his glory? Be careful for one his glory because to get his glory, you got to leave some things behind. Amen. God gave us his word as a testimony of his works in the past. So we will have a reason to trust him in the present. Let me give you an example. Let's go to Psalm. <coughs> Psalm 77. Psalm number 77. Psalm number 77. Psalm 77. And we're going to look at verse number 11. And it says, I will remember the works of the Lord. Surely I will remember thy wonders of old. I will meditate also of all thy works, of all thy work, and talk of thy doings. Thy way, O God, is, is in the sanctuary. Who is so great a God as our God? <clears throat> thou art God that thou that dost wonders. Thou hast declared thy strength among the people. Thou hast with thine arm redeemed thy people the sons of Jacob and Joseph, Selah. The water saw thee, O God. The water saw thee, and they were what? Afraid. <clears throat> the depths also were troubled. The clouds poured out water. The sky sent out a sound, a sound dying arrows also went abroad. Sent out a sound, dying arrows also went abroad. The voice of thy thunder was in the heavens, and the lightning lighteth the world, and the earth trembled and shook. <clears throat> thy way is in the sea, and thy path in the great waters, and thy footsteps are not known. Thou leadest, leadest, leadest thy people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. Now this psalm was written by Asaph. And by recalling this great redemption of Israel by God's hand, Asaph encourages himself. His thoughts got crisp. 
and his expectancy began to grow. That God will again come to aid his people. One thing you got to remember is this. God's delayed response does not mean abandonment. A delay is not a denial. Amen? Sometimes God's got to see just where your faith is. Hmm? And when God delays, you need to remember how he answered your prayers before. Mm -hmm. You need to recall what he did before. And if he can deliver you from that, then he can deliver you from this now. Amen. His delays is not a denial. It's just so you could see where your faith is. Amen. Because God already knows. Hmm. Amen. Jesus said in Matthew 17, 20, you don't have to turn there. The New Living Translation, I'll tell you the truth. If you had faith even as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move here to there, and it would move. Nothing would be impossible. And I will say the counterpart, because the devil is a counterfeiter, a small seed of doubt will hold you up from moving a mountain. Amen. Your faith activates your power. Hmm? If your heart is aligned with his will for his glory, you can move mouths. Hmm? Amen. Bible says in 11 Hebrews 11, 1, now faith is the substance of things what? And it's what? The evidence. 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 Now, even though our justice system can convict you with a very small amount of evidence, faith stands on the evidence of what God has already done. Just like in Psalm 77, Asaph said, you did this and the, 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 the rivers ran away from you, God. Amen. To exercise faith is to have confidence about an expectation without visible proof. Amen. It's actually believing God, taking God for his word and acting like God has already done what you're believing him for. As in the past tense, not in the future tense. Amen. God's footprints of grace from yesterday will give you the power to trust him today. You hear that? God's footprints of grace from yesterday will give you the power to trust him today. Hmm? I'm just let that marinate. His footprints of grace from yesterday will give you the power to trust him today. And then I'll just add, to believe him for tomorrow. Based on a past activity that God already did. Mm. Based on evidence. It ain't what you know, it's what you can prove. <laughs> a lot of people know a lot of things, but it's hard proving it sometimes. Mm -hmm. But based on your 
relationship and walk with God and him proving himself on yesterday, he'll give you the power to trust him today with an eye on tomorrow. Jesus. Mm. You need to feed your faith and starve your doubts by knowing God's will. His will is his word. Amen? Number two, you need to deal with and overcome your doubt, spirit of doubt by rejecting fear. Let's go to Philippians. By rejecting fear. Where's Philippians? Chapter 4. And we'll look at one verse. It's verse 6. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. It says this. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known how? Unto God. The Amplified says this. Do not fret or have any anxiety about anything. Or don't fear or have anxiety about anything, but in every circumstance and in everything by prayer and petition, meaning definite requests, with thanksgiving, continue to make your wants known to God. So we need to reject fear. Reject means to refuse to accept. When those voices come into your, come into your space and try to get you to uh, 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 doubt God, you need to begin to reject it immediately. Don't come into agreement with those voices that want to try to get you to doubt God. Remember I told you last time, uh, a few weeks ago, when you get into agreement with something, that thing will manifest itself. Don't get into agreement with doubting God. Amen? Because the building block of all unbelief in your mind is fear. Doubt is a building is built off of fear and unbelief. Fear will make you question the promises of God for your life. There are two things about fear. The fear of failure and the fear of success. So we just rather just stay in the cut where it's comfortable. But if God has called you and has and has purposed you to do a thing for him. Well, then you, I would much rather, as they said in Acts, listen to God than obey man. Amen. And like Joyce Meyer said, you have to do some things afraid. Amen. Mm-hmm. You got to do it afraid. Mm-hmm. The Bible tells us in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a what? Sound mind. Fear does not come from God. It comes from the devil. And as a believer, you cannot be worrying and trusting God at the same time. You can't worry and trust at the same time. It's either one or the other. It's no great. You can't worry and trust God with fear. Amen. Hallelujah. War, let me say this. You can't be worrying and trusting God, not fear. You can't worry and trust God at the same time. Don't make sense. 
Worrying is just like doubt. It will make you doubt God's love for you and your family. Fear will be a blockage or a barrier that keeps you from the promise of God, even if you know what the promises of God are for your life. Even if God has given you a word. Years ago, he gave me Genesis chapter 12. You go, I'm not going there. One through three. And when he told Abraham to get out from his wife, from his family and all of that. And then make it, he gave me that word before I went to Bible college. And even though he had given me that word, <laughs> and I go back to it often to refresh my memory, when I get into a place where doubt wants to creep in, I have to always go back to it so that it give me the power that I need to take the next step. Amen. Amen. The, so, the only solution to fear is to believe. And when you believe it's more than an intellectual agreement, it means that you have put your faith and your trust and confidence in God. It's more than an intellectual. When you believe it's more than intellectually, it means that you have put your faith, trust and hope all that you have in believing God. Hmm. That means this. You put God in charge of your pleasant present plans, and your eternal destiny. Have you put God in charge of your present plans? Hmm? Sometimes it seems this way. It seems easy to believe God that you're going to heaven. But hard to believe God while you're still present in this body and you're going through something. It seems like it's more easy to believe that you're going to have eternal life in the by and by than to have God carrying you through what you're going through right now. I mean, I mean, I'm, think about it. It's easier sometimes to think about it in the by and by than the here and now. Hmm. But guess what? Your faith will nullify your fear. And you will overcome unbelief by rejecting the spirit of fear and discouragement in your life. So you have to reject fear. You have to starve. You have to feed your faith, starve your doubt, reject fear. And then last thing is this. You need to believe in God's love. Believe that God loves you. Let's go to 1 John. 1 John chapter 4. Not the Gospel of John, First John chapter 4. You have to believe in God's love. And we're going to start at verse number 16. First John chapter 4, verse 16. And it says this, And we have known and believed the love of God that hath to us. God is love. And he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God. And what? God in him. Verse 17 says, Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out what? Fear. Because fear has torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. Verse 19 finally says, we love him. Why? 
This verse 16 in the New Living Translation says it like this. We know how much God loves us, and we have put our trust in his love. God is love, and all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. When you live in God's love, that means you remain in his love. Remain means this, to hang out with love. Amen? So when you live in God's love, that means you're actually hanging out with love. Why? Because God is love. <laughs> and well, how did God prove his love? My favorite scripture is what? Let me see if y'all read. John 3.16 says what? That he gave his only begotten son that what? Whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God is love, and he proves his love. Amen? Because his love is not static, or it's not self-centered. It reaches out, and it draws in. God sets a pattern of true love, which is the basis for all love relationship, because when you love somebody dearly, you will sacrifice for that person. And God paid dearly with the price of Jesus' life. And Jesus did what? He emptied himself of his own will and became entirely receptive of God's will by accepting our punishment. Our first lady told us that last week, that Jesus emptied himself of his own will and then became entirely receptive of God's will. By, and then he did it, why? By accepting our punishment and paying the price for our sins. And then he turned around and offers us new life that he purchased for us. Now that's love. God gave his son. Jesus took our punishment. And then Jesus offers us that life that he paid. Think about it. It's deep, but it's simple. Amen. The love of God is a powerful, is a powerful, it's so powerful that it provided for us an abundant life. And I'm not talking about being ultra rich, but think about it. Let's put it where you can get it. People, of course, are, and I'm one of them, that's having, you know, have an issue with gas prices. Until I think about the people over in Ukraine who are hiding in basements and fleeing where they live in and just barely and wanting to be alive and trying to get food and wishing they had what we have. When God calls that back to my remembrance, he put it where the goats can get. And I said, OK, I'll just go from A to B back to A. I did it before during COVID. I can do it again with the gas prices. Amen. Because putting it in perspective, I would much rather be where we are today. than to be over there worrying about if I'm going to get out of the day by getting killed by somebody that's shooting a missile into my apartment building. It's something to think about. So when you're going down the street and do like I do, and I'm looking up at them gas prices going up daily and whatever else going up, that ain't the only thing going up. You got to cry out, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We know where our next meal coming from. We know that our house is going to be there. We know that we're going to have a roof over our head. 
And we know we got food in the refrigerator. That, make you, that should make you want to cry out, thank you, Lord. And then when you cry out, thank you, Lord, then start to praying for the people over there. And if you can do something beyond that, let God show you and you do that. Amen. The bottom line is this. Don't take what God has given you for granted because somebody wished they had what you have. Amen. And you don't have to go to Ukraine. You can go here and you see the people on the corners. Amen. Living in the atmosphere of love means living in the atmosphere of God. Amen. And when you live in the atmosphere of God, you can deal with and overcome the spirit of doubt. Because you'll be feeding your faith and starving your doubt. You'll be rejecting your fear and you'll be believing in God's love. Amen. So you can deal with and overcome the spirit of doubt. Amen? Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you, God. Thank him today. Thank him today. Thank him today. Zay. Thank you today. Thank him today.